Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello? Hey, how you doing, Mr. Keegan? Hey, Mr. Washington, how you? Good, how you been? Uh, I've been okay. I've been, uh, traveling for a while, and now I'm kind of sick, but other than that, I'm fine. I hope you get better. Thank you. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I haven't talked to you in a minute. I was just making sure everything was okay. I've been talking with Archeandrez for a while since back when he was still in prison. Okay, so I had got up at five, like I normally do. I cleaned the cell one last time. I had me some Frosted Flakes cereal. And then after that, I had to wait. I was like, I ain't gonna even trip though. So I just watched the guys play basketball on the court. I was just praying, thanking God, man, that this day finally came. Asking God to give everybody that's leaving a safe trip home and a safe trip to where they going. He was serving a two and a half year sentence for illegally selling guns. He called me on the day he got out. September 16th, 2021. The first stop was in Meridian, Mississippi. So I just get out and stretch my legs and smell the air and watch the trains and stuff go by. And then after that, we picked up, got back on the bus. And then after that, I ended up coming to Birmingham. It looks so different. Like, that's a lot of stuff to change. Archeontrez is 25 now and lives with his mom and stepdad in Alabama. In order to be released from prison, he agreed to have software installed on his phone and computer that allows federal authorities to monitor everything he does online. Every message he sends, all the videos he watches on YouTube, everything. This tracking isn't just because Archeontrez was an arms dealer. It's because of what the feds found in his room when they came to arrest him. Instructions to build bombs and a letter to an imprisoned 9-11 plotter. I'm Keegan Hamilton, a correspondent with Vice News, and this is Vice News Reports. Hello. Hey, Archeontrez. Uh, I think we're out front of your place right now. Uh, yeah, cool. I've been hearing a lot about how extremism is on the rise in the United States. Not just Islamic extremism, but the far right conspiracy theories like QAnon, and others from across the ideological spectrum. It's been a slow burn for years, and yet there's still no blueprint for how to deal with it. How to de-radicalize someone if they've been radicalized. And how to help people move on with their lives after they've been linked to violent extremism. I traveled down to Huntsville, Alabama to meet Archeontra's face-to-face to figure out how he fits into the bigger picture of extremism and how he ended up getting involved in the first place. It's a very picturesque suburban house. It's like 
like the suburban American dream here with a little like Christmas wreath on the the mailbox and like a sleepy sleepy street, big garage, big house. What's up, dude? What's up, man? You want to come say hi or what? Okay. How you doing today? Y'all doing all right? Yeah, man. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm blessed, man. Hey, I wore this one. I'm gonna tell this. This is my first shirt. I had the whole uniform, but you wearing the prison shirt? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> He's kind of a little guy, short dude, maybe five foot five tops. He's wearing this brown shirt that's a couple sizes too big, so it makes his small frame look even smaller. It's the standard issue outfit from Federal Prison. He wore it as a reminder of the place he'd been, a place he didn't want to go back to. I'm here so Archiontres can take us to Birmingham, where he spent a lot of his childhood. During the hour and a half long drive, he starts telling us about his exploits running guns. He claims he sold weapons to Mexican cartel members. He was nervous. That was like one of the moments like, wow, <laughs> I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I did that. So I had fun. Like, it was fun? That sounds scary, man. Eventually, we arrive at the housing complex where he grew up. His family runs a little community center inside an apartment. He took us inside and we sat in an office. My name is Archiantres Quinez Larico Washington. I'm from Birmingham, Alabama. I was born June 23rd, 1996. I'm 25 years old, and I just got a federal prison, September 16th, 2021. He started talking about playing here as a kid, pulling pranks and getting into trouble. We had end up um, lighting his feet on fire, with some, put some alcohol on it, and lighting his feet on fire. While he was sleeping, me and my cousin shot, he was mad. <laughs> I'll bet. He was, I'm a, yeah, he was mad, yeah. He was really mad. <laughs> Archiantros remembers the nights he spent with his friends and his cousin Bobby. And so he like a brother to me. You know, we used to sleep on the floor together, have sleepovers when my mom stayed down here. Bobby, all of us used to be there. And we used to have fun, like coming up even here in Bishop Green. Like we used to go up to his house, walk up there, sleep over there. Bobby used to tell Archiantres that he wanted to join the Marines, but he never got the chance. So what happened? How did, how did Bobby die? He got killed by accident. It was wrestling when he was playing with the controller. Started playing and stuff like that. And somehow Bobby had failed, but he reached uh, something like that. And the gun went off mm-hmm. and it killed him. Shot him in the chest. He didn't die instantly. He was still breathing, but the medics couldn't get there fast enough. That's, that's tough, man. Yeah. He was about to leave for the Marines two weeks before he got killed. After he died, Archiantres decided that he would take Bobby's place in the military to honor his legacy. Adjusting to all the rules in the military is tough at first, but he eventually starts to love it. He learns how to shoot rifles, how to handle explosives. How to clear rooms, how to, you know, properly assemble an AR-15, how to set up a claymore and detonate it, how to use C4, shotguns, which basically everything you can think of. Eventually, he gets deployed to Germany. And he spends his time partying in nightclubs. Man, best club in the world, Resi. In Germany, it's in Nuremberg. Man, I had a blast. I couldn't stop dancing. My shirt was drenched. Everything, man. Beautiful women. <laughs> and the army starts sending him all over Europe. Poland, Germany, Lithuania, Estonia, Croatia, Georgia, Lafayette, 
France, um, Greece, Romania. I'd have been like somewhere everywhere over there. All over the place. Yeah, I'm probably missing some too. This is in 2017, while the U.S. still had troops deployed across the Middle East. But Archiontrez never saw combat. Toward the end of the year, around Christmas, his grandma in Alabama got sick. She starts having seizures, so he goes home to be with her. And eventually, he just decides he's not going back. He's going AWOL. They calling me, calling me, calling me, calling me, calling me. So at the time, I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. But now, I'm like, you just got to be honest with him, man. And let him know. He's like, I'm not coming back, man. I'm not coming back. He's jailed, and he gets discharged. He starts crashing at his grandma's house in Birmingham. I'm like, man, like flat broke. Like, I don't know if you've ever been broke. Well, I'd have been broke, like, not half a penny, not no nothing in my pocket at all. Basically living off my grandma, you know. And so I'm like, man, got to get some type of money. Got to get some type of hustle or something going by myself. He lands a job at UPS, but it doesn't pay much, 200 a week. So I'm like, man, it got to be a better way. So now I'm looking online, looking online, just, you know, boy driving around, looking at music videos, documentaries. I run across the documentary. Talking, talking about Arms List. Arms List. It's a website that's been described as the Craigslist of guns. It's a way for people buying and selling guns to connect with each other for private sales. I'm like, man, that's crazy. Then I watch War Dogs. That's a Jericho 941 pointed at my head. You can get one on the black market for $300. It is a very reliable weapon. My name is David Packhouse, and I'm an international arms dealer. And then it keeps going. I'm like, man, I wanted to load, load a war. There are over 550 million firearms in worldwide circulation. That's one firearm for every 12 people on the planet. The only question is, how do we arm the other 11? Yeah, so I'm like, this is it. They can make that much. I can make 10 times more because that was back then. What about now? I can make a lot of money in this. Let's do it. He applies for a federal firearms license to sell guns, but the process is complicated and slow. So he decides, fuck it. He goes to a local gun store and buys one the legal way. But then he gets on arms list and finds someone who's willing to pay extra to not have a background check. I buy one just to see what it'll do. I sell it. Okay, once I sell it, I'm like, man, it went quick, like fast. So I'm like, yeah, this is it. So then I started buying them. I bought one, then I bought two. Then two made three, and then three made four, and then four turned to six, six turned to ten, and so on and so on and so on and so on. And business was good. He'd go to gun stores around the area, buy them legally, and then resell them on the secondhand market. Selling guns like this without a license is technically illegal. Arms List is not directly involved in any transactions. It's essentially just a forum where people can connect with each other to buy and sell guns. The site puts the responsibility on its users to be safe and obey the law. But pretty soon, Archiantra starts to go way outside the boundaries. This was it. I got the money up. I paid, bro. He sent me the machine. I get the machine. It's grind time. Now it's like full head on. He says he bought a 3D printer to make ghost guns. Firearms that are assembled at home without serial numbers on the parts, so they're virtually untraceable by law enforcement. He starts making a lot of money. And eventually, he says, he sells guns to cartels in Mexico. How did you sleep at night knowing that you had sold guns to a cartel that were probably going to be used to kill people? 
in my opinion, I was like, it's bad guy against bad guy. They're not really killing no civilians like that. So I didn't really feel bad, you know. And then, sad to say, the money kind of comfort you, you know. The thing is, innocent civilians do get targeted. And a lot of the guns the cartels are using come from the United States. But there's nothing in court documents that proves either of these claims are true about the Mexican cartels or the 3D printer. Prosecutors did charge him with selling guns illegally to people all over the country. And they say he sold to buyers in Mexico. But there's nothing that proves his customers were cartel members. Archiontrez is so into movies and pop culture and stories about infamous criminals, it sometimes feels like he loses track of what's real from his own life and what's fantasy borrowed from Hollywood. He told stories that defied reason, like 3D printing dozens of guns in a single night, which I know from my own reporting is probably impossible. It made me skeptical. In any case, eventually the feds wanted to know who this kid in Alabama was who was buying dozens of guns from all these stores. One day, agents show up at his house, asking where the guns are. Yeah, they was coming to the house every day. They was coming to the house every single day. Every day, coming to the house. So they saying, oh man, where are the guns at? I'm like, I don't have them. Where they at? Man, I don't have them. Where they at? Where they going? Every day, every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. This, of course, makes him nervous, but he doesn't stop selling. Then one day, he drives up to a gun store one where he's a regular customer. It's a huge place in a strip mall next to a shooting range and a restaurant. So I go in there, nobody at the store but a couple cars. It's like they shut down the store, so I'm already feeling myself like, oh, VIP, you know, trying to get my stuff all that. Like, man, I'm VIP, I'm feeling it. I'm like, man, I'm going after this, though. Get, all, get the gun start, walk up out there, get to my car. As soon as I open the door, you like, put your hands up. The feds surround him. They boxed me in. It was over. Later that night, he's at the county jail, taking a shower. Another inmate comes up to him with a question. Man, boy, you on the news. I'm like, man, stop playing. He like, bro, I thought they was talking about me until they said R. Kelly and Washington. He like, man, that was you. I was like, man, you on the news now. Prosecutors are charging an Alabama man for illegally selling guns to buyers in Mexico and other states. A federal agent says a contract Washington told him that he sold guns to out-of-state buyers since 2016 after watching a documentary film about firearms trafficking. That night, everything you could think of, I thought about like everything I had did before, after, doing like my whole life. It just flashed before my eyes. I thought about everything. After he gets arrested, prosecutors ask the judge to keep Archiontrez in jail pending trial. And it has to do with what they found in his grandma's house. He had notebooks with bomb blueprints and the names of al-Qaeda leaders. He'd also tried to write letters to Zacharias Musawi, a convicted 9-11 plotter who's serving life in federal prison. The letters got sent back, and investigators found the copies when they searched his room. The tone of the letter is kind of strange, friendly and inquisitive, but there are parts that got the attention of federal law enforcement, like when he asked about learning to fly a plane and using a flight simulator. The implication was that Archiontrez might have been plotting his own attack. 
Archiontres is hard to pin down because he changes his story and he seems to have these visions of grandeur. After the ATF started to investigate, he also destroyed some of the evidence that could potentially prove his claims about selling guns to cartels or printing ghost guns. But beyond all of that, there are still bigger questions I'm trying to figure out. Why would you contact Al-Qaeda? What should happen to you if you're fascinated by terrorists, curious about them to the point that you even reach out to them, but have never committed a single act of terror? What's the appropriate punishment for that? And how do we decide what happens after? That's coming up next, after the break. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Archiontres changes his story about what he did, but at a minimum, we can say that he was curious about reaching out to Al-Qaeda. Investigators found evidence that proves he at least initiated contact. It was getting kind of, like, <laughs> deep, you know? Like, stuff like trying to get me to recruit and, and stuff, but that's not me, you know? And so I was like, nah, it's good. I can go do the training camps. We can do that. And we'll leave it at that, you know, but anything else, I don't want to do. Archiontris told me he started to question the wars in the Middle East when he was still in the military. And that situation ain't pretty when you're seeing fools die, especially kids, women, you know, they don't have nothing to do with that. This was when ISIS still controlled parts of Iraq and Syria. The group was encouraging people to commit lone wolf terrorist attacks all over the world something that the leader of ISIS said resonated with Archiontres. Who made the United States the police of the, United, the world, you know? So we going over here to these people's houses and kicking in their doors and ransacking it, looking for a person, and he don't even stay here, never been to here, but we doing this. And when they go fight, and they fight back, we want to call them extremists, terrorists, you know, that type of stuff. But you would do the same thing if a country invaded the United States. The message of ISIS resonated with young people all over the world. More than 40,000 foreign fighters from 110 countries traveled to Syria and Iraq to join terrorist groups. Thousands have tried to return home, leaving their countries trying to figure out what to do with them. In the U.S., since the 9-11 attacks, at least 975 people have faced federal prosecutions for terrorism-related offenses, and all but seven of those were convicted or pled guilty. That's according to The Intercept, which tracks these cases. They found that a little more than half of those people have served their time and been released. The majority were like Archiontres, with only tenuous connections to foreign organizations. Archiontres insists he was never fully radicalized. He was just curious, 
and there's no proof he ever went to a training camp, but he was at least open to hearing what the leader of ISIS had to say. He got killed though, but anyway, he was like um, over ISIS at the time. Mm -hmm. And he used to always say, why well, fight for a country that don't even want your people in it, you know? And that just opened doors for a lot of other stuff, you know, and then one thing led to another. Tell, tell me about that. What do you mean it opened the door for other stuff? That's why, like, I started looking at, like, you know, Zachariah Musawi, Ramsey Yusuf, Tegazinsi, stuff like that. I was never planning to attack the United States. I just wanted to know what these people think about the United States and what they think about the situation that's going on. He starts researching some of the more notorious terrorists, like Musawi, the 9-11 plotter. He also mentions Ramsey Youssef, mastermind of the first World Trade Center bombing in 1993. I imagine people hear this and say, like, this dude was getting recruited, he was going to plan an attack. Like, that was, that sounds like where this was headed. What stopped you from doing that? Because that wasn't me. Like, what I say, like, it's getting too deep. You got your own brain. Then nobody put no gun in my head and say, do this. I was doing this voluntarily, you know? And when I say it was getting too much, it was like, we're going to recruit people and stuff like that. I don't want to recruit anybody. What he did do was experiment. We can't confirm this, but he says that he started building bombs using designs he found online. I look, a couple seconds later, boom. I'm like, man, this probably can work. So then, Home Depot, and just start getting all the materials, and went to the woods, and then went from there. I mean, what's that seems like the first step and then the next step is actually using that for, for harm. What, what kept you from taking it to the, the actual using it against people? Because I never wanted to use it against people. Like, that wasn't, that wasn't my focus. But that, that wasn't my focus to use it against anybody. I just wanted to know how to do it, you know? Just like with the firearms, if I really wanted to harm people, I could have went out there and caused... Uh, a lot of mass destruction, but I'm not weak-minded. I'm strong-minded. I'm not going to let nobody persuade me. I'm not going to do that, you know? Could have happened, but I wasn't going to be the one that was doing it. I was going to mainly be the person that's putting it together, mm -hmm. that's planning it. The bomb maker. Exactly. Despite writing a letter to Musawi and printing out bomb blueprints, he was never charged with anything more than arms trafficking. That's why he ended up serving less than three years in prison. Me personally, I have flashbacks about everything. Like I'd be like, man, why do I want to know how to do this? Why do I know how to do this? You know, like, why? Do you and wish you didn't? Sometimes, yeah, because, like, it just hurts your brain sometimes. Like, you'd be thinking, like, all type of stuff, man. All type of stuff go through your head when you know how to do this stuff. And it's harmful. There are no dedicated programs in the federal prison system for de-radicalization or to specifically rehabilitate extremists. A spokesperson for the Federal Bureau of Prisons told me the agency provides job training, counseling, and other resources to help people with extremist backgrounds return to society. But they also said there are no de-radicalization programs, partly because there's no standards or consensus about what de-radicalization even means exactly or how it should work for U.S. prisoners. The letters, the blueprints, the Al-Qaeda connection. Once he stepped out of the courtroom and was placed behind bars, none of that seemed to matter. 
Archiantres says there were no resources for him. They didn't offer me no programs. Nothing but the GED program, and I had my high school diploma. I don't really feel rehabilitated. Then I rehabilitated myself, if anything. But when I asked if he would have been willing to undergo de-radicalization, his answer was surprising. I don't think it applied to me. Why not? <laughs> I just don't think it does. To be honest, I don't think it do. Why, why not? Because that wasn't never, because I wasn't, I was considered that, but they didn't, they didn't charge me with that. So if I'm not charged with it, don't consider me that. <laughs> Now that he's out, Archiantres is under surveillance. He also has to do all the standard things that apply to people on federal supervised release, like checking in with your probation officer and doing drug tests. But because of the terrorism aspects of his case, he's got special restrictions that will last for at least the next three years. What about since you've been released, what's, what has, what's your situation with the government? Can you explain that to people? Yeah, yeah. Like... We're not on good terms. It's like a relationship, a bad relationship. It's like we married, and I want a divorce, and the woman don't. That's exactly what it's like if I had to explain it, because everything I do is monitored at all times. So it's like, man, I put myself through this. But like sometimes I be thinking like, dang, man. Like sometimes you be mad. Like I be mad, but how can I get mad when I did this to myself? We start driving back to Huntsville to drop Archiantres off at his parents' house. He talks about how he's paying 50 bucks a month out of his own pocket just so the government can keep an eye on him. He's got software on his phone that monitors what he looks up and who he contacts. If he gets caught searching for terrorist materials or other stuff that's off limits, he could get sent back to prison. Oh man, this is funny. I play a song over and over. Like I play a song 10 times if it's like I'm feeling it. He jokes about how the person who's watching him probably gets sick of him playing the same song over and over. It's funny you say that because I was just thinking about that. Like, in my head, not now, but like before, like, I used to think that, like, I don't want to say, like, too much. What's the appropriate amount of punishment for a crime you haven't actually committed? With Archiantres, it seems like prosecutors are treating him as if he was a terrorist by subjecting him to surveillance, but they won't provide him with any meaningful support, nothing to help deal with the underlying issues, the reasons he was attracted to extremism in the first place. I've talked to former extremists and experts in de-radicalization who say it should be treated like a disease, sort of like addiction, with therapy that addresses trauma and the factors that drive people toward extremist behavior. Right now, there's really nothing. It's on the individual after they get out of prison. So when Archiantres tells us he's changed, we kind of just have to trust him. Can you see why people would say, like, maybe the government should keep an eye on this guy just in case? Like, like out, <laughs> step outside of yourself for a minute and see it that way? So, yeah, I'm looking at myself from the outside in. You know, I'm like, man. That was me before, but people change. 
I changed for the better. I'm changing, I have changed. This episode was reported by Keegan Hamilton and produced by Sarah Cavedo. Vice News Reports is produced by Sophie Kazis, Jen Kinney, and Sarah Cavedo. Our senior producers are Ashley Cleek, Adiza Egan, and Sam Greenspan. Our associate producers are Steph Brown, Sam Egan, and Adriana Rodriguez. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone, Pan Bandy, Natasha Jacobs, and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and the VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is Senior Production Manager for Vice Audio. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. I'm Ariel Zunros. Podcast hosts say this all the time, so I'm going to say it again. It would be really great if you took the time to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts because it really does help other people find the show. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, so be sure to check back in next week. <laughs>